Yeah. Oh, hang on. Have you yeah. um, uploaded the new tracks to uh, the Google Drive? Ah, shit. Ah. No. I, I put them all up in my soundboard app, and I was like, wait a minute. The Boy Falls from the Sky? These I don't are... recall that being a Billy Joel song. <laughs> I've decided I want to talk about Spider-Man again. <laughs> Second you can episode. Talk about Same Billy Joel, as the first. I'm... <laughs> Cameron? I will be talking about Spider-Man <laughs> Turn Off the Dark. I I think that musical would have been a million times better if it had been written by Billy Joel. Oh my god. Cuz wait, did save this fire for the episode. <laughs> I mean, yeah. Let me hear you say William Martin motherfucking Joel. <laughs> That's right. It's a podcast about learning to appreciate an artist that may be misunderstood, unrecognized, or dismissed. And it's season 14, Mother Truckers. And they, the people aren't listening anymore. <laughs> they've already turned, they've already thrown their phones away. <laughs> Is it just, it, wait, are you saying that because I'm being uh, down, dumb and annoying or because they don't like Billy Joel? <laughs> Sorry, I couldn't hear you. Uh, yeah. Uh, so yeah, this is season 14, Mother Truckers, <laughs> and I pitched to Cameron, Billy Joel. I was like, hey, Cameron, we should listen, we should listen to Billy Joel. But uh, no one dismisses Billy Joel. Everyone understands Billy Joel. Uh, he, I mean, he unites our generations, right? <laughs> I mean, um, <laughs> did, did someone on the Discord, uh, give a go a vote for billy joel or like suggest it i don't i don't think so really because the moment you said it i was like oh yeah that's a perfect candidate for the show yeah um so here was my pitch to cameron about billy joel he seems universally loved by boomers universally despised by gen xers and millennials and universally unknown by generation z aka zoomers Yes. Like, like the Billie Eilish crowd has no fucking clue who Billy Joel is, you know? Right. Yeah. Um, I think there's a good maybe, chance. Maybe Billy Joel should um, change the spelling of his first name to an IE, <laughs> and then he would get like a little more traffic from. Oh, yeah. There you go. Consumers. He'd get that Eilish bump. Um, I think there is a not so secret chance that he might be a complete musical genius um if not a lyrical genius maybe um Hmm. i've 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 definitely heard some of his songs that like fucking slap that's for sure um and uh are you are you a billy joel fan have you like listened to billy joel albums all the way through on purpose no uh true to my generation either i have despised him and uh he he's one of those um artists that I make fun of my dad for liking sometimes. And then, you know, years later, I sort of like tail tucked between my legs. Be like, okay, dad, you were, you were right. There's definitely something here. Billy Joel slaps. Yeah. I mean, some of his stuff kind of fucking slaps, dude. Um, yeah. He's just, he's also just an incredibly and fascinating. And then your dad's like, kill the fattest calf. <laughs> uh, the prodigal Nathan. Um, he's just a fascinating person too. Like he, 
for one thing, he has had the decency to not release any new music since 1993, <laughs> the year, which is, let's count it, 27 years ago. Um, uh, with, with one exception, he has an album of classical music piano compositions that has been released uh, in which he is not the one playing the piano. A British Korean pianist named Richard Hyung Ki Ju uh, plays the piano playing the Billy Joel compositions. It's called Fantasies and Delusions. And that came out in 2001. Um, huh. also, I guess we're going to cover that. Well, um, maybe. <laughs> we'll see. <laughs> um, also, he's he, to me, he, he seems as like the poster child of like the Long Island New Yorker, uh, maybe like half Italian or full Italian heritage. But it turns out he's jewish uh but wasn't oh. wasn't raised jewish um his, so is he is he ethnically jewish or just religiously jewish or um, neither it sounds like or he's wait, ethnically i guess he's got to be one if he's jewish yeah <laughs> i don't know what i'm talking about um his father escaped nazi germany and his mother is uh from kent england and comes from also a jewish family so both his parents oh. are jewish um one is German and one is English. There you go. Uh, yeah. So the man, he's got layers upon layers is what I'm saying. Interesting. Well, I, I'm excited personally about the idea of, um, you know, uh, it, this is like an olive branch to, to the boomers uh, that yes. maybe we'll be able to convert some uh some millennials to billy joel appreciation um so that they'll have some kind of connection point boomers are you okay are you okay are you okay boomers <laughs> uh that's not a billy joel song that's a mj song <laughs> um yeah i i think cameron i think there's a pretty decent chance we come out the other side of this being billy joel stands See, we keep trying to do this and I keep not guarding my heart and I get disappointed every time. <laughs> yeah. Well, maybe Stan is the wrong word. At least like defenders or or oh, let, maybe mansplainers is a good way to put it. The kind of person hey. where if you drop an artist's name like a oh, freaking Abba, stupid dancing queen, you can be like, well, actually... Yeah, Abba's good. Yeah, we've, we're just like arming ourselves for those well actually moments, which is, yeah. <laughs> those are my favorite mansplaining moments. I love doing that kind of shit. Yeah. Uh, well, that's, I mean, this <laughs> this podcast is sort of an outlet for me for a lot of that energy um, mm -hmm. because, uh, you know, can't mansplain another man, right? <laughs> You, I, I mean what <laughs> there's no there's no negative uh, effects of uh men o only talking to each other in mansplaining uh <laughs> fashion right as long as it's mutual mansplaining and more or less consensual i think it there's zero downsides and nothing <laughs> possibly do, bad can whatever happen. men do in the bedroom vis-a-vis yeah. -vis mansplaining is their business yeah between them and god whatever happens in the privacy of their podcast is between <laughs> them and god I wish God would mansplain to me at least once ever. 
I'm so confused and lost. Cameron, this is God. <laughs> Billy Joe well, is actually, actually good. <laughs> well, actually, if you look at it, men are also discriminated against. And what about reverse racism? <laughs> Uh, I had fun doing that. That was fun. Yeah, that was delightful. Uh, You should bring that character back. (laughs) The character of like, uh, uh, like, uh, I've been listening to a lot of Joe Rogan. Oh God, I was going to say, I was going to say like Joe Rogan fan God. (laughs) Have you heard Uh, of Ben Shapiro? (laughs) He's asking the questions. (laughs) So, I, I have a little bit of person, uh, a little bit of history with like Billy Joel. Not much, not personally, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. but uh, I my first instrument was the piano, and that was the first instrument that I started writing music on. Mm-hmm. And um, so you're saying you're a, a good piano portion man. of my life. Sorry, you, so you're saying you're a piano man. I yes. Did you sing Actually, us a song? I remember. La da di da di da di da. Yeah, lie did I did it I I was uh lilting um my whole life. Uh no, I remember in fifth grade music class, um they they started the piano course and my I was already taking lessons at that time, and my teacher said, Hey, you should just uh go be by yourself and actually learn something that's hard. Um here's the sheet music for piano man. And so I learned how to play Billy Joel's at least an arrangement of maybe it was a easy piano arrangement. I don't Wait, know, is that a hard song? I learned. Huh? Is that a hard song? I would say so. I mean, like it's all relative, right? Yeah. But like there's there's a fair amount of um, of movement and position switching, mm. and um, you know, there's um, I would say it's there's an element of it that's rhythmically challenging because you have to like go, you have to like. I think in the left hand, there's like a fair amount of like, like kind of arpeggiated bass motion where you have to like keep a thing going and have it be groovy and then do like the cascading lines and stuff. Mm. Yeah, it's not Art Tatum, you know, but it's, mm-hmm. uh, I didn't do a very good job at it, but I remember thinking like, oh, wow, this is like a fun, uh, <laughs> I was a kind of a sheltered kid. I was like, this is a fun, cool pop song. <laughs> <laughs> This is so um, edgy. But yeah, I, all that is to say there's a soft s- spot in my heart for piano pop, especially kind of like 70s era piano pop. And there's something about it that's always just going to feel kind of relevant to me and I can't really defend it, but I always just kind of like it. Mm-hmm. Um, I think one of the main things that I like about piano pop is uh, it tends to be more chromatic than um, other kinds of pop music. Mm, and I yeah. think it's because when the writer is at the piano, um, the, the piano is one of those instruments where all of the notes um, more or less sound the same, which is to say equally bad. Um, <laughs> we've talked mm-hmm. about this concept on the show before of equal temperament, right. which means that you know the octave... Um, you know, A to A is divided into 12 basically equal parts. But if you want to be able to play in, um, in every key, 
mm-hmm. on a piano without retuning it each time, you have to put every note more or less equally out of tune. And that's called well, well tempered. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, anyway, other than that, all the notes on the piano, like if you can, if you have the skill to play them, like it's, they all basically sound uh, the same in terms of quality and mm. you don't have to worry that much about, um, you know, like playing like capoing or, you know, like these things that you consider on guitar where it's like, you know, on guitar, if you play a bar chord version of a G chord, mm-hmm. uh, versus a, an open G chord where you let the open strings, resonate Mm -hmm. it sounds really different it does yeah and like the 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 timbre the tone the envelope of the notes is completely different but it's not really the case on the piano you know there's some there's some shapes that are easier to play in certain ways because of the black keys raised up but i guess ultimately it's really easy to transpose on the piano to fit your voice and it's really easy to change keys in the middle of your song uh, mm. without making any sacrifices to um uh to your tone or any of those other considerations um mm. so i think it lends itself to some really chromatic pop writing which is super fun to listen to uh queen is a perfect example of that uh elton john you know etc mm-hmm. so yeah i definitely like heard yeah. some shades of elton john in some of these songs yeah totally when did elton john's first album come out it was like what mid to late 60s wow i for some reason thought it was later than that that's because this is this is billy joel's first album it's called uh cold what's it called uh cold spring harbor from 1971 um um there it's only 29 minutes long which is so great i just love Mm. I just love it when musicians are just like in and out, just get it done. Just like, I love a short, like three minute, two and a half minute pop song. Those are so fucking good. I love it. Yeah. Um, let's see. Ah, empty sky. The first Elton John record came out in 1969. So two years before, before Billy Joel. Yeah. Yeah, you can definitely hear a lot of that in in this album. There's a lot of Beatles. Oh like, yeah, like kind of direct, like Beatles uh, now anachronisms for pop writing, like are just like stolen. Mm-hmm. Um, I didn't do the work of like finding the exact examples, but they're there. You you would hear if you listen to the whole album, you'd be like, oh, that's a Beatles moment. Mm-hmm. Like there, there's just like a bunch of moments that are like you know like mm. in something in the it's not literally that but just a bunch of things is like oh that's just like a hook from a beatles song yeah <laughs> <laughs> yeah um uh we should probably well one more thing um so apparently i don't know what we ended up listening to but yeah the original release of this was um there was some sort of like mechanical issue with the recording and it was put up a semitone was it, whole, was it a whole semitone? I thought it was like a uh, a quarter step. Something like that. Anyway, it makes his voice sound higher, and apparently he really hated how it sounded. I think his voice sounds lovely in this. I uh oh it says like one it a half of a one half of a semitone higher. There you uh, go. But what we what we listened to was the remastered version. Oh, so we heard it 
so I, yeah, I guess if it was a little higher than that, I mean, I would probably still be into it, but it would be like, wow, that's really high. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. Uh, Billy Joel actually joked that he sounded more like one of Alvin and the Chipmunks than himself about the original yeah. mastering. Um, yeah, and apparently he still dislikes this album. Y- yeah, he's he still doesn't think it sounds good. Um, when they re-released it in 1983 they uh they fixed the like tracking speed issue thing uh they added some more like studio musician stuff uh with new rhythm sections on a couple songs and they cut three minutes out of the song you can make me three or sorry you can make me free um how many minutes (laughs) three minutes nearly three minutes they say wow um so the original of this album was 33 minutes and seven seconds. And the reissue, which is the one we listened to is 29 minutes and 53 seconds. I mean, I didn't feel at the end of you, you can make me free. Wow. I just, I feel really cheated out of a few extra minutes <laughs> <Yeah>. of that. <laughs> I feel like this song it's should fine. be twice as Whatever. long as it is. <laughs> That's is not how I felt. Yeah. Well, is there any other background stuff for this? Uh, he, I mean, this will come in to talking about some of the songs, but like shortly, I think before this, he, he was like suicidal and he tried to kill himself by drinking like, what was it like paint thinner or something? Something like yeah, really intense like that. Yeah. Uh, maybe we'll find it in the, in the genius when we come across the song that's specifically written after his, uh, the lyrics are lifted right from his suicide note. Yeah, they literally are, which is... Oh boy. Yeah. He's, he's, um, been fairly open about his struggles with depression. Um, from what I understand, just based on a cursory Wikipedia reading. Um, and, uh, yeah, like you said, some of his suicide note is in the song, uh, tomorrow is today. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. That's the one. Um, yeah. So let's see. I think that's everything. Should we just jump right into she's got a way? Yeah. Here we go. Can't live without her. She's got a way of pleasing. I don't know what it is, but there doesn't have to be a reason anyway. She's got a smile that heals me. Yeah, so this is uh not the most auspicious start. I mean, just in my opinion, it's a little, uh, it's a little bit slow paced. I feel like this song would be a little bit. Hmm. It's like, so what you're saying is that this woman, uh, affects you in a way that other women don't. Interesting. Yeah. She's got a way about her. I don't know what it is. But I know that yeah. I can't live without her. She's got a way of pleasing. I don't know what it is, but it doesn't have to be a reason why. That's kind of nice that he like avoids the rhyme. Uh, he rhymes pleasing with reason, but then he ends the line with anyway. Oh, that's right. I guess he does. But he doesn't. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, you're right. Okay. So it's it's a little bit of a defies the expectation a bit. I kind of yeah. like that device. Yeah. She comes to me when I'm feeling down, inspires me without a sound. She touches me and I get turned around. Va va voom auga. <laughs> I don't think that's how anatomy works. <laughs> uh, well, speak for yourself, Cameron. 
I mean, unless he's... Is this a pegging situation? Hey, <laughs> don't peg shame. Who, no, I'm not no, I'm not shaming at all. Who was the other artist that we were constantly talking about pegging with? Um, was it Garth? Was it Garth? Oh, that was the other thing I was going to say about William Joel, is that in a way, we're kind of coming full circle because Garth, <sighs> Garth Brooks loves. did a cover of a Billy Joel song. I think he's done a bunch of... Well, Billy Joel covers. Well, but there was one that's specifically like one of his biggest singles. Yeah, and was on one of his uh, studio albums. I think he's done a lot more like on like live albums and stuff. But uh, yeah, in Vegas or whatever. Yeah, whatever. All this weird stuff. Um. Yeah, is there? I mean, what else is there to say about this song? You- yeah, the lyrics aren't that great. I think there's a really interesting bridge. I mean, the lyrics aren't um, amazing, but they're definitely a lot more competent than, you know, some lyrics. Like, after Macklemore, let's just say, and Spider-Man Turn Off the Dark, <laughs> it's a, kind of a breath of fresh air to be like, oh, these lyrics are competent. Right. But you were saying about, um, about the bridge. Yeah, musically, uh, there's a, a nice chromatic moment. Um, uh, yeah, do you want to play it, and then I'll kind of explain it, and then you can play it again. Yeah. She comes about the to me when I'm feeling down, inspires me. Without a sound, she touches me, and I get turned around. So, um, there's this idea in, uh, you have, when you're in a key, mm-hmm. which means that, you know, if you're in the key of G, for instance, um, you, there's this idea that like, you know, in order to resolve, you're setting up expectations and tension and then you resolve by going back to G. Um, Mm -hmm. And when you're in the key of G, um, there are diatonic chords that you can use. And diatonic chords mean chords that are based on um, the notes of the G major scale. Mm -hmm. Um, So there would be seven triads, um, that are, you know, G, A, B, C, D, E, F sharp. And then, uh, you can use those chords, um, in order to construct a song if you want the song to have all diatonic chords. But what you can also do, uh, is you can use chords that are not those seven chords, non-diatonic chords. Mm -hmm. Um, and one of the best ways to do that, uh, well, one of the most interesting ways that uh pop the piano pop you know songwriters do that uh is um they will um they will momentarily sort of change keys mm-hmm. and they'll use a um they'll they'll use a common cliche um that could exist in a diatonic uh, in a diatonic song or a, a resolution and they'll switch the context of it. So um, what happens here is um, she comes to me when I'm feeling down, inspires me without a sound. Um, she touches me. So w- I believe it's the chord. Uh, so she comes to me when I'm feeling down is a five chord changing to a minor two, a major five to a minor two. Mm-hmm. And then it resolves down very, uh, in a relaxed way to one, to a major one. And then it plays a minor one chord. Mm. And that resolves to the five chord. 
um, and it makes it feel like it's doing this minor plagal cadence um, from uh, the... It's, it's treating the five chord as if it were the one chord, just for a moment, um, mm. so that it can do this musical cliche, which is, and I don't mean cliche as a value judgment, I mean, like, using a common idea. Um, which convention, is the, maybe? Yeah, yeah, musical convention of um, uh, uh, having a minor four chord resolve to a major chord. So it would sound like, da-da-da-da. Da, 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 da. like um it's this very dramatic melancholy thing we've talked about it on the show before mm-hmm. um it's often used to like evoke sort of nostalgia but what he's doing is he is doing that cadence um uh he's kind in a way um just borrowing from the key of the five chord and pretending that he's in that key instead. Mm-hmm. Um, so um, I'll point it out when it happens. Uh, you want to go, go ahead and play that? Sure. Sound sample one more time. She comes to me five, when I'm feeling two, down, inspires major me. one, without a sound, one, she touches five. me and I get turned mm. around. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. And then he follows it up with another um, uh, another one of those devices where uh, he he kind of borrows from the uh, the the relative minor. Every major key has a minor key that uses um, the same notes as it, um, but uh, the minor keys uh, often have more um, more chromaticism in them in Western music. Um, and so he takes the, the five dominant chord of the minor six chord, which mm-hmm. is the major three chord, um, which is, uh, non-diatonic. Um, and he uses that to sort of like, and it's basically, it's a way of going from chord to chord, um, and, but sort of inching there as, a, uh, and traveling through other chords to get to the other diatonic chords mm-hmm. um, in a way that adds a lot more tension and drama. So uh, I think we're going to be hearing a lot of that kind of thing from uh, Billy Joel in general. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. That's great. Um, That's been the music theory corner. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I wonder if, um, I don't know. It seems like piano pop in addition to being, well, maybe going hand in hand with being a little bit more chromatic, as you mentioned, it might uh might be oftentimes a little bit more musically interesting, at least in terms of like arrangements and stuff. Um, I think it has a capacity to definitely. Yeah. Um, yeah, the piano is a super powerful instrument because I mean, have we covered? Yeah, because it's all big and heavy. It's, uh, yeah, you ha- can't even carry it. It's just I like to try. Have we covered anyone who's exclusively? a piano player the way that billy joel is oh i don't think so like is this uh, really our first like piano no wait, uh, pop eminem artist? eminem was yeah okay da, da, da. <laughs> <laughs> um yeah i think it might i think it might be um the the cool thing about the piano uh, is that it does a lot of work for you. Mm-hmm. Um, I've been told that if you hit a piano key, which is a fairly large target when you compare it to like, let's say uh, uh, intonation on a, with your left hand fingers on a violin, right. where it's like a millimeter will 
or less than a millimeter will make it out of tune um, and sound different or bad, mm-hmm. <laughs> probably bad. Um, but it's like, you know, it's this pretty big target. And I've, I've been told that if you hit, when you hit uh, a piano key, um, uh, the hammer inside the piano that hits the string will always do it like seven times as hard as when you hit the piano key. Oh. Um, uh, I don't know if that's true of every kind of piano, Mm-hmm. or not um but that's like a you know there's a it's a it's a machine and it's it's set up to do a lot to automate a lot of that work you know mm-hmm. like that hammer is going to hit that string every time you don't have to worry about that um so because of that it means that um you know the the most accomplished piano players by at least by one metric of accomplishment on the instrument um they can look at an entire orchestral score with uh, you know the the transposed keys uh, you know of each instrument because the instruments read in different keys um, they can look at an entire score and they can condense it in their brains and and play it um, just by looking at the whole thing and if if you've never seen a an orchestra score you know think of how many instruments there are in an orchestra how many sections there are you know mm-hmm. and like there's piano players who can look at one uh, and do all the math in their head and just look at the whole shape and play the whole thing. And that's why, that's why the piano is such a cool instrument. Mm. And it's why I will never make money um, being a pianist, even though I studied it for like 12 years, mm. <laughs> it's just because you have to be so good and you have to really like being alone in the practice room, playing the piano and mm-hmm. don't do it in a way that's going to hurt your back. Oh, it's yeah. hard not to. Mm. <laughs> I did. Oh. Over your wrists. Ooh, yikes. <laughs> It takes its toll. Mm-hmm. Anyway, so yeah, I, I suspect we're going to hear some stuff that's more musically interesting than, uh, uh, let's say, a, a typical, you know, guitar songwriter. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. I also wonder if, um, well, it seems like in addition to like a little bit maybe more chromatic or more interesting in terms of arrangements, it seems like piano pop often tends to be. Mm, more often than not like slower tempo there's a lot of like mid-tempo songs kind of like this one um and uh yeah it, it doesn't feel like they uh are as high energy as like you know our a rock band tends to be uh yeah i think it's because i think it might have something to do with like the decay of the piano you know mm-hmm. um like you can really hold those notes out if you have the pedal down um, and you can fill up a lot of space mm-hmm. in a way that other instruments can't. Right. So I think you, it lends itself to ballad playing and things like that. So. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But yeah, I think we might get some sleepers as well. And this yes. is definitely one of them. All right. You want to move on to the next song? Yeah. Cameron, you can I bet make we can me cover f- every song. Yeah, we probably can. There's only 10. You can make me free. That's so Beatles. Yes. That. <laughs> yep. That little sting. <laughs> you can make me free. You can make me cry. You can make it so much better. It, he really sounds like he's trying to adopt kind of a vocal delivery of Paul McCartney. Of Paul McCartney too. Yeah. He. Yeah. 
there are some songs in this album where he sounds like Billy Joel, but on this one, he sounds like he's trying to be Paul McCartney. Right. Yeah. I, he has such a specific voice in my brain. Um, in a, yeah, it's the thing. I, it's a voice I really don't associate it with the Beatles, but in this and in a lot of moments in this album really sounds specifically like Paul McCartney. Right. Yeah. Um, well, synopsize the song. Oh boy. <laughs> Nathan. Uh, you, said, you, you were the one who said Billy Joel's a lyrical genius. No, Cameron, I did not say that. Don't put words in my mouth. I think I said there's a possibility he may be a lyrical genius, which doesn't necessarily mean he begins his career as a lyrical genius. And okay. also, I only said it in passing when discussing his possibly being a musical genius, um, which is probably a stronger candidate anyway. <laughs> Uh, yeah, because like I mean, even his later stuff like "We Didn't Start the Fire," it's mostly just a list of things. I don't necessarily think that that's <laughs> great lyrics, you know. Uh, although, on the other hand, the, the, there's a specific couplet in that song that is like Mwah, "Chef Kiss," uh, JFK blown away. What else do I have to say? I mean, you just got to admire the sensitivity of how he phrased it. Uh, uh, his empathy towards maybe uh, JFK's family and uh, the people who had trauma from that event and just just how tasteful it was, the way he put it, I think. Yeah, he's basically the Eminem. Of- <laughs> <laughs> he's the Eminem of his time. Yeah. Uh, oh, yeah you Billy Joel. can make me free. You can make me smile. You can make me be like a little child. Ugh. You can melt the ice that chills my body. You can dry my every tear. You can make the lonely hours disappear. Is this like an in, in invitation or a, a description? How do you read this? Uh, ooh, uh, I think it's a description um, because some of these things are, are stuff that uh, seems like wouldn't be ca- just like anybody wouldn't be capable of if he was like inviting some random person to come in and... Uh, do it because uh, Billy Joel does say don't you know my only real moments are the ones I spend with you I mean there's there's some nice specifics in the song because the next I, I line th- I kind of like that lyric yeah the next and the next line is how I long to drink some wine again with you that's that's kind of a nice specific sure Um, I can take to the skies I can soar like a bird with this heart full of song I mean that's kind it's of Disney yeah it's not amazing what do you what do you make of that next lyric? Won't you color my eyes? I've been waiting so long. Cameron, I do not know what to do with that. You think that's, you think that's a little bit of a poetic bluff, maybe? Yeah, maybe. I think that might be right, Cameron. You know what? I think you might be onto something. <laughs> if I must I, wait. I think this I think this bridge is really, conf- really oh, I just, confusing. Yeah, I think I you're was, about to read it. I was about to read it. If I must wait a lonely lifetime until I'm with you, my love, I will wait when you'll be what I'm dreaming of what <laughs> the first two lines i think i can sort of get but then he says i will wait when you'll be what i'm dreaming of that's the the past present future participation trophy <laughs> what yeah exactly i got lost i think yeah. i had a stroke <laughs> millennials right you smell avocado toast um <laughs> Oh my God, when millennials have strokes. No wonder they won't be able to retire. They'll be oh, all old with no social security in this po- in, the, in a post-apocalyptic wasteland. 
Uh, anyway, I will wait when you'll be what I'm dreaming of. Which, I mean, <laughs> it's not I will wait until you'll be what I'm dreaming of. That would make a little more sense, I think. I will See, wait when thing- you will be. <laughs> The thing that makes me think that it's maybe like an invitation or a a pleading is that he says, you can make it so much better if you would only try. You're just so goddamn lazy. <laughs> invitation you to you love. You're not realizing your full potential with me. <laughs> yeah. Um. You know what? I'm starting to think I, I can see the influence on Garth here because like this is. I feel like a similar school of songwriting to Garth where you kind of write a fairly general song about an emotion. It kind of has like one idea that's sort of the hook. Um, there are some like specifics like scattered in there, but they're not like super specifics. They're not really enough to draw a complete picture, but there there's like enough that people can kind of pick and choose and like resonate with one or two. Um, just kind of like a broad appeal style of lyric writing. Right. It feels very like, very like a uh, very pop song song craft of in a way that probably has doesn't really exist anymore. I would say more or less, you know? Yeah. Yeah. I think I know what you mean. Yeah. This kind of like middle of the road, like uh FM radio style pop song writing. Yeah. I don't specifically miss it. Yeah, I didn't say I missed it. <laughs> <laughs> it seems like you love it. <laughs> oh, love it so much. Um, Middle of the road's dangerous if you think about it. Oh, my God. Unless it's a one-way road, Cameron. You ever yeah, think of that? Huh? Then it's the best. Yeah, that's a good point. Or if you're in California and you're riding a motorcycle and you want to split the lanes. Because, I mean, it's it's legal, which makes it not unsafe, right? <laughs> It's it's so insane to me that that's legal in any state to like have uh, yes. motorcycles like whizzing between cars between lanes. Oh god. Get them. Get them, uh, Nathan. It's it's bad and not good. <laughs> oh. <laughs> so <laughs> brutal. Fucking <laughs> roasted, pwned. <coughs> All right. Uh, uh everybody why? loves you now, Nathan. <laughs> Do they? Oh, yes. wait. Oh, I was I almost skipped it. I almost went to Why Judy Why, but uh I, I forgot that everybody loves me now. You can walk away from your mistakes. And you can turn yeah, your some back high energy. You yeah. Just a little smile is all it takes. Yeah, and you can have your cake and eat it too. All loneliness will get to you somehow. But everybody loves you now. He's starting to kind of sound like Billy Joel in his singing. Um, this is a very... I have a feeling about Billy Joel that there's going to be a lot of patronizing songs about women. Like, you, uh, you feel good now, or you think this, but you'll see. And then you'll come crawling back to me, or whatever. Like, it, I, I just have a vibe, that kind of vibe from him. And that that's what a lot of people kind of get out of uh, his songwriting uh-huh that's, that's what the song is it's like talking about i mean he says in a night uh, there in a 1974 uh, performance at the orpheum theater in boston uh, billy mentioned that this song was about quote a bitch yeah 
Yeah. Not great. I mean, I'll be the first to say that's not the best cool thing that's good that I like. <laughs> uh, not it. Not in your top ten things that you like. <laughs> no, I mean it. It. I. I probably would say it wouldn't even crack crack the top eleven. I would go so far as to say. <laughs> <laughs> definitely 12th favorite thing <laughs> definitely um yeah and and i i think there's an element um the the part of the song that's interesting to me is where he says ah you know that nothing lasts forever and it's all been done before ah but you ain't got the time to go to cold spring harbor no more which i believe is the neighborhood that he grew up in in long island I think it's like neighboring. It's like nearby. Cause he, here's an interesting fact about, um, William Martin, Joel. He literally grew up in a town called Hicksville, New York, which is, I mean, that's like a byword when someone is talking about like a quote unquote, like redneck place. Like, yeah, I was fucking out in Hicksville out there, but apparently it's the name of a real place. Uh, and that's where he's from. But it's not exactly what you might think of as Hicksville because it is on Long Island and is not that far from New York City. So, I don't know. Um, yeah. Uh, the, the, there is like a small town vibe to this song um, in, in that line that changes the tone of the song, which is, it's not just, oh, I hate that this woman's getting a lot of attention. It's, Mm -hmm. uh, it kind of makes you think, oh, this is a song about someone who now feels like they're too good for this small town. Right. Yeah. This little community, which I, I think makes it a little bit more interesting. I do want to point out extremely petty. (laughs) Yeah. It's extremely petty. I, I do want to point out that it, there's nothing specifically in the text of the song that uh, definitively um, sets it as him talking to a woman, but it clearly is. Um, yeah. And which is not great. Um, and uh, one of the, you know, one of the uh, effects of sexism is... Um, there are situations where you might want to call out someone for having a big head and like getting too big for their britches, so to speak. And, uh, if that person is a woman and you're a man, it is not a good look. So (laughs) this person that he's writing to may very well have deserved all of this criticism. And yet, you know, it doesn't come across great having this man right. be like everybody loves you now but see what happens in a few years loneliness is going to get to you you yeah. know it's it's which is like this I don't is know. the story of a girl oh god oh that song's yeah, even all worse those songs yeah um it's it's my least it's my least favorite genre of like archetype of of song which is a man who is you know, if you read between the lines or, or more explicitly is like jilted by mm-hmm. a woman right. and feels like he's not getting the attention. It's like an incel energy. And instead of, you know, being sort of violent or accusatory or even really talking about his emotions, he says, 
well, you don't really know what's best for you, and uh, you'll see in the end. Like you get what's yours. <laughs> yeah, Cameron, how so, do you how do you feel about the song "Like a Rolling Stone"? Because that's kind of an example of this same style of song, right? I don't really know about the words of that song. Yeah. I don't know what they are. I'm looking at them right right now. Once upon a time, you dressed so fine, threw the bums a dime in your prime, didn't you? People call, say, beware, doll, you're bound to fall. You thought they were all kidding you. Yeah, so I think this, yeah, in the verse two, he says, ah, you've gone to the finest school, all right, Miss Lonely, but you know you only used to get juiced in it. Nobody's ever taught you how to live out on the street, and now you're going to have to get used to it. Yeah. Um, you know, there's there's a song... Uh, I think it's called like La La Land or In the Land of La La or or L.A. Girl or something like that. But no, it's a Stevie. The movie. It's a movie, Cameron. La La Land. No, <laughs> it's a Stevie. It's a Stevie Wonder song. Ah. Uh, it's something like that, and uh, it's it's about it's about a young woman going to Hollywood to try to make it, uh-huh. and and ultimately, it's the content of the song is like. Hey, you're going to have a hard time. Yeah. Um, but it doesn't seem to necessarily like derive uh, any pleasure. Schadenfreude. <laughs> yeah. It. Um, but uh, it seems it's like it might be you know patronizing, but ultimately it feels like empathetic. And it's it's Stevie Wonder, so it's catchy. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's good. Yeah. And there's this like big chorus. Uh, it's like you're a big girl now (laughs) (laughs) that's really funny i don't know why Mm -hmm. uh i think maybe in 10 minutes i should be done yes Uh, yes i should stop talking about bob dylan Um, yeah what songs do you want to talk about Ooh, is why judy why worth talking about or is it just another so that's a song about him being estranged from his sister, but I don't necessarily know if I have anything to say about it. Yeah, it is interesting for a man to write a song to his sister. It's not something yeah, you see is. a lot in pop music. Uh, maybe we'll just listen. But that doesn't make the song interesting. That's true. Maybe we can just listen to the sound sample and move on. Sure. Yeah. Oh, it's all guitar. That's right. Yeah. Before, Classical guitar. Not before things and it sounds changed. good. Too. I need it does. more. Tell me why, Judy, why? Also very Beatlesy. Yeah, I actually like this song pretty well. That's the thing. There's a, at least there's musically. There's a lot more like interesting musical content than there is lyrical content on this record. Yes. Maybe uh, I think I have a sound sample from there. If you want to play it, it's just like a cool little turnaround chord progression. Oh yeah, here we that's go. It's chromatic. cool that's nice and now i have a feeling that this isn't billy joel playing guitar yeah interesting i wonder if the uh otherwise i feel like i would have heard it because it's like some pretty competent classical guitar playing it is he's not credited with playing the guitar on the album credits um Hmm. i don't know if anyone is specifically credited for billy joel right in yeah billy joel right in (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> there are two people credited with uh guitar on this record but nobody is specifically uh mentioned for this song 
Yeah. Um, Do you want to talk about falling in the rain? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. A man who painted nature scenes, he painted trees and fields and animals and streams, and he stayed and he didn't hear the falling of the rain. So it's very pianistic. It's so pianistic. Um, <laughs> uh, so this is, it feels like kind of an early attempt at pretty self-consciously poetic writing, uh, almost like mythologically poetic. Um, yes. Once upon a time. He does say once upon a time. That's how it begins. Yeah. <laughs> In the land of misty satin dreams, there stood a house. And uh, there's a dragon, and he was puffing, and his name was Puff the Mad. No, um, and a man who painted nature scenes. He painted trees and fields and animals and streams, and he stayed and he didn't hear the falling of the rain. No, he didn't hear the falling of the rain. Um, he never Is that because it didn't rain. Yeah, it- I mean it's misty satin dreams, so maybe mm-hmm. it just mists instead of rains. You know, you never know. Right. Um, now mist. Uh, notoriously quiet it's true i can barely hear it most times you know uh is that that's a that's like a movie or a book by stephen king right the mist the mist yeah. oh that's the one i've been wanting to watch yeah uh, i had the ending uh ruined for me i did too unfortunately it's ending that people talk about a lot it's true it's apparently i won't i won't say it i won't i won't don't say it don't I won't even try to describe it. That's how much of a spoiler, not spoily guy I am. Um, well, in the forest green lived a girl who put her hair in braids and she sang and she walked all about the wooded glades. She was glad when the rain came falling on her face and she sang because she didn't mind the falling of the rain. No, she didn't mind the falling of the rain. Billy Joel does not seem to have much of an idea what he means by the falling of the rain. Is it a metaphor? If it is, what is it a metaphor for? Yeah. Metaphor for metaphor for for. uh, unclear Um, in the bridge. He does say, I don't want to know. And I don't want to see another rainy day without you lying next to me. Mm, Okay. Still doesn't clear it up. And then it's okay. You know what? Yeah. Mm -hmm. There's sort of a twist. Well, at the end it says, so now the boy becomes the man who sits and paints all day in the third verse. Oh, did I mention that? Yeah. No, oh, you didn't. Well, I don't think yeah, you did. there's in the first well, the verse boy's high up uh, high upon a hill far away. Yeah, the first verse has a man. Crowd. First there's a man, then there's a girl, then there's a boy. The last verse, the man has become a boy who sits and paints all day. Okay. No, the boy's become a man. Yeah. You <laughs> This is not worth unpacking, I don't think. It's not gonna really <laughs> yield any dividends, I don't think. Yeah. Uh, do you, uh, do you want to choose? Do you next? like this? Mm-hmm. Do you like the song? It's uh, uh, musically. I mean, it's all right. It's fine. I guess. There's a couple of things I liked. One is it's just very clearly not played to a click track, and there's some uh. moments where he's. It's a song that's in four four time, but he's he's doing a lot of. Um, there's this shape that feels really natural to roll with your hand when you're playing. Um, piano figures, uh, which is to go like thumb if in, in your right hand to go thumb index or thumb middle 
and then pinky and, and kind of going do da da do da do da 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 do da and like doing like groups of three and then squaring them off with a group of two so that it fits into uh, a four four time and that he's you know constantly doing that um, but there's all these like little fills um, with those um, hemiolas those groups of three and uh, there's these kind of like forced moments where it doesn't it doesn't sound quantized. Um, and I really like those like little human moments. So I had, I just pulled a sample of it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Right here. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's like pretty subtle. Like, but if you were to like slow it down, there would be like a pocket there that isn't like, you know, <laughs> if you were to measure the, uh, the time between you know the beginning and end of each of those notes i think it would be fairly uneven in an interesting way mm-hmm. um one more thing that i really like in this um it goes uh e major and then f sharp major which is a non-diatonic chord mm-hmm. um usually it would be an f sharp minor uh, and then it does this really interesting chord um it's it's a broken chord uh, meaning like instead of all of the notes being played and mashed at one time, it's split between these like, you know, kind of semi arpeggios. Um, and the notes that I could pick out kind of formed something like a D major seven with an added ninth. Damn. Um, it's a lot of so numbers. It, yeah. I mean, um, I don't mean so to brag, be- but I think I can take seven and <laughs> add nine to it. It would be, yeah. um, uh, are you trying to make to, a Voyager uh, joke? Um, a Voyager joke? What? Jerry oh, Ryan, seven, seven out of nine. nine. <laughs> That's actually much funnier than what I was going to do. Is it? Uh, well, you must have had a real stinker already. Well, yeah. Well. Much like your son, I'm constantly uh, letting loose some real stinkers. Uh, we were late to getting started with recording the actual episode because of my, um, my, my very literally shitty son. (laughs) Your son's full of shit, Cameron. My baby. Uh, he's not anymore. Um, so this chord, it's, uh, usually a D major chord would be D F sharp A, but this has D, uh, E F sharp A C sharp. So it's ah. got two extra notes. It's not a triad. It's got two extra notes in it. Mm-hmm. Um, there are extensions to the triad. Um, but he breaks it up in this really interesting way. And specifically, there is dissonance between the uh, the D and the C sharp. And it creates this like rubbing sound that mm. I think is really nice. So um, I'll try to point it out when it happens. Nice. It's the third chord. Okay. Uh, here. So now the boy becomes the man here. who sits and paints mm. all day, but the girl There's kind of another another one coming up here. Away, and it seems that time mm. has yeah. It's like a pretty buzzy kind of nice chord. Yeah, I like that. Yeah. Uh well should we do you, do you want to talk about one more? I don't know. Uh is there anything that we need to talk about? <laughs> um we should talk about tomorrow is today. Oh, of course. Okay, yeah. we'll end with that. Yeah. I've been living for the moment, but I just can't have my way. And I'm afraid to go to sleep, because tomorrow is today. 
so the genius uh, annotation says um, the lyrics. I, I don't. Th- they say the lyrics from the song actually come from a suicide note that Billy Joel had written. I don't think probably all of them do, like in completely unchanged sure. form. Uh, but it says he attempted to kill himself by drinking furniture polish after finding out his wife had an affair with his drummer, which Ugh, I terrible. think is inaccurate. Oh, really? Cause he didn't actually get married until after this album had come out. And, um, let's see personal life. Uh, do, 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 do. yeah, they didn't get married until 1973 and their relationship actually began when she was married to someone else. Um, huh. his music partner in the short-lived duo Attila. Um, Attila, okay. <laughs> yeah. And she apparently had a son with this guy um, whose name is John Small. Yeah. Oh, she actually became Billy Joel's manager. Holy shit. Oof. Wow. Now, I, be- I-, I believe I've heard somewhere that Billy Joel's been married like um, 8,000 times. <laughs> I think he's true? been married three times. <laughs> or sorry, four times. Um. Yeah, no judgment to anyone who's listening who's been married four times. Yeah, <laughs> I I had this idea that he was married more times than that. Yeah. Um. um yeah. But, so uh, I th- I think he he was more reacting to um not making much headway in his career, and it said Wikipedia has some vague stuff. It says like personal tragedies. Um, but the thing about depression is that it doesn't necessarily need an, an actual like incident or a, a, a sure. setback or really anything to like trigger suicidal thoughts, depending on what right. kind of depression someone may have. Um, so yeah, th- this is maybe uh, our first glimpse of some very heartfelt uh, and interesting lyric writing from Billy Joel. Um, and it has a lot of poetic language that I think it mostly justifies. Um, I've been living for the moment, but I just can't have my way. And I'm afraid to go to sleep because tomorrow is today. There's a lot of like language about time and the passing of time and sort of the overlap of moments. And, uh, and, but also like there's this weird sort of static thing. Like, it's almost like all the time is happening at once, but because of that, it's very static. Um, he says, people tell me life is sweeter, but I don't hear what they say. Nothing comes to change my life. So tomorrow is today. I don't care to know the hour because it's passing anyway. I don't have to see tomorrow because I saw it yesterday. Um, yeah. So there's a lot of like, I, I really, I really enjoy the, the, the language he's using to deal with time in this song. Yeah. Um, uh, it's also, of course, very bleak as you might expect. Um, still I'm waiting for the moment, the morning, but it feels so far away and you don't need the love I'm giving. So tomorrow is today. Yeah. I think this is probably like a song that sort of started out as like an idea. Tomorrow is today, you Mm -hmm. know, and then kind of extrapolated from there. But I think it's like a powerful idea. Yeah. How do you how do you feel about the I th- I think the there's a weird musical turn. Oh my, I'm going to the river. I'm going to take a ride, and the Lord will deliver me. He yeah. turns into like a gospel song at one point, he, and I'm not super into it. I'm also not that into it because it also feels let's like listen to it. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Let's listen to it first. Tomorrow is today. 
entirely different people singing i wouldn't have disbelieved it honestly yeah uh because like the first one is like a very tender like beatlesy kind of ballad style singing and then it becomes yeah. as you say like some weird like ccr <laughs> it's almost like a weird like nasally throaty underbite singing style yeah which uh i mean i know that he does get into that kind of stuff a lot uh in his career but i don't necessarily think it sounds good when he does it no not necessarily good not necessarily <laughs> it isn't necessary that he sounds good when he does that no <laughs> <laughs> yeah. uh, well uh what do you think after this first album what are you thinking of old billy joel um not a terribly auspicious beginning but i think there's definitely some promise there um, do you think it's better than Professor Macklemore? Uh, mm, probably. He doesn't talk about trying to fuck the concept of music in this album, <laughs> which already no, he like, just sets it ahead. It. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he, he doesn't talk about it. He just I don't have uh, to brag it. about it. I just do it. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, yeah, I think there's some promise. Um, not terribly interesting. A little bit sleepy and slow tempo. But... Uh, yeah, I have some, some pretty high hopes, I think. Right on. Yeah. Um, well, the next should album, we close up? Yeah. Yeah, what's up? The what's next up album next? is Piano Man from 1973, oh, wow. Year of Our Lord. Yeah. So that's when he, like, gets big. I think that's his breakthrough, really. Yeah. I'm a piano man. Piano I'm a p- man. Piano burning man. Burning out his fuse out here alone. <laughs> that's the one, Yeah. Oh. I think it kind of it kind of takes some some real chutzpah to like say I'm the piano man when there are so many definitive piano mans That's, during that time. Yeah, yeah. I mean, even just like Karen, if you were to choose one person to definitively give the title of piano man <laughs> to, would it be Billy Joel or Elton John? Do you think? Oh man, um, you know, it's it's hard because I like a lot of the music. And Elton John's sort of vibes kind of more. Um, But he didn't write his songs. Well, not the lyrics. His partner did. Did he write the the melodies? I think he did. Yeah, I think it was always he wrote the musics and Bernie Toppin wrote the lyrics. Right. I don't know. Maybe we'll have to cover Elton John next. See who the real pianoman is. Yeah, the real pianoman. All right. Well, until next week with pianoman from 1973 uh you can visit us online at boxset.website email us at email at boxset.website tweet us at tobias podcast uh write us a review on itunes that would be very nice for us if you want to support us directly making the show you can go to support.boxset.website um uh you can join the discord the link will be in the show notes um there's also another podcast you may be interested which features our very own cameron d Whit and it's me is about and is traditional musics mostly old time musics yeah some good stuff i've been i was listening to some uh older episodes trying to get caught up recently uh including the the one the second 
Brad Kalodner episode, which is nice. Oh yeah. Yeah. There's some, there's some banjo duets where we do not duel, but rather, um, uh, do some loving dances together. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) It's not dueling banjos. Uh, It's collaborating banjos. Yeah. It's a very collaborative banjo playing. Yeah. Um, yeah. Good stuff. If that sounds uh, tolerable to you, that, <laughs> you should check it out. Uh, <laughs> I swear, it, it, it's pretty good. <laughs> it's it's not, not all banjo duets. Just want to throw that out there. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Uh, well, until next week, I've been Nathan Hunt, and I'm the Eminem of my time. I've been Cameron Duet, and I've been God. <laughs> <laughs> well, actually... <laughs> If you think about it, affirmative action is just the soft racism of low expectations. (laughs) That's a fun bit. I like that. Have you seen the movie Inception? (laughs) (laughs) I'm going to metaphorically (laughs) hand you a red pill. (laughs) 